Welcome to the Parents as Tutors Parent Cafe with your host, Dr. Andrea Thompson. This monthly podcast seeks to provide you, the parent, with the knowledge you need to help your child succeed as Dr. Thompson shares her unique insights and professional experience in the world of homeschooling. You'll learn how to use the Parents as Tutors series of books and workbooks, how to teach children certain concepts, and you'll also hear success stories from other parents who are using these books. Looking for answers specific to your needs? In each episode, Dr. Thompson will answer questions submitted by listeners just like you. So if you're interested in learning more about parents as tutors or how to homeschool and prepare your child for a life of success, we invite you to listen in and join the conversation. Welcome to Parent Cafe. I am your host, Dr. Thompson, and today we have with us one of our frequent experts, Miss Ivania Delphine. Welcome to Parent Cafe, Ms. Delphine. Thank you, Dr. Thompson. Thank you for inviting me to your Parents Cafe. I really appreciate the invitation, and also I would like to say that I really enjoy helping parents and helping and it makes me happy to know that they are really involved in helping their students grow. Yes. Yes, indeed. That's our goal. Our goal is to help that parent-school connection, help parents to understand what it is that educators are talking about when they tell you about how well or not so well your child is doing. So we enjoy having you here too, Ms. Delphine, and we enjoy the fact that you are an expert in your field of special education, but a lot of times you do like to counsel parents so they understand that not everything that is going on with their children necessarily points to the child having a special need. So that brings me to what we will be discussing today, and it's going to be executive functioning skills. Everybody deals with executive functioning skills. It's how we multitask. It's how we remember to do the things we need to remember. It's how we control our behavior. And all of that, so we're going to talk about that today. A lot of times the school points to things that our children are doing or are not doing and it points to executive functioning skills. So talk to us about that, Ms. Delphine. Well, the executive functioning skills are very important because it helps the student begin to understand and be able to get involved in school, and it helps them succeed. It's like the, the blocks, the building blocks that mm-hmm. helps them as they begin to uh, explore the world they live in and explore the areas where they go to school and be okay. able to succeed and academically, socially, and in all their aspects of their life. When we speak about executive functioning, we are talking mm-hmm. about their working memory, their exhibitory control, and cognitive or mental flexibility. And those yeah. three areas work together in order for the student to be able to grasp and understand the things that are going around them. Yes. Thank you for that. Because parents need to understand that executive functioning skills is what pre-K teachers are grooming students to have 
And it, right on up through kindergarten, right on up through elementary, on up through. So as adults, it is expected that we should have mastered our executive functioning skills. However, with children, theirs are being developed. So I heard you say that when a child has difficulties with executive functioning skills, it could be one of three things, either lack of working memory, lack of inhibitory control, and a lack of cognitive or mental flexibility. So we are going to start addressing each of them to deepen parents' understanding around the working memory. So let's start with working memory. Define working memory. Talk to us about working memory, Ms. Delphine. Working memory is the ability to keep information in their mind and being able to use it in some way. Some students have difficulties keeping the information that is being shared. Sometimes teachers give them instructions of what to do and they tend to forget easily. So mm -hmm. by the time that they have to execute those instructions that they've been given, they have forgotten, so they feel lost in the classroom. Yeah. Uh, yes, it can be really frustrating for the teacher and for the child as well, because mm -hmm. what everyone else is following instructions and doing what they're supposed to be doing, this child is lost because he totally forgot already what it was asked of him or her. Yes. And this is really very important, parents, because we have what is called progression. Whatever is taught on Wednesday is building on what was taught Monday and Tuesday. So by Wednesday, the background knowledge needed that was taught Monday, Tuesday, or even a grade level prior, the child needs to bring that background knowledge. Yeah. What happens then if the child is not able to remember what yeah. was taught before? That's kind of where the teacher is going. So how is it that parents can help, Ms. Delphine? Parents play a really important role in helping their children grow, especially with working memory. I think that they can be very supportive in that area. When we talk about working memory, we can talk about teaching the students how to do things step at a time so that can prepare them to, to be able to do multi-steps instructions as they go on. It's just like teaching the basics and going from there so like that they can continue learning. It's just like taking a step back and being able to help them. I also would recommend for them to give the instruction to the child and also ask the child to give it back to them. So that way you can hear and see what they're hearing and see if they're taking in the information that you're sharing with them. Another recommendation would be using visualization skills, like showing pictures and connecting the words with pictures, because that way it'll be like a multi-sensory way for them to either learn it by seeing or learning by hearing it. So that will help them. Yes. You use a couple of terms. Yeah. which I'm going to expand on just a little bit, mm -hmm. but I'm going to recapture some of what you said. Yeah. Parent, 
Miss Delphine is saying that once you give students instructions or your children instructions at home, ask the children or the child to repeat what you just said to make sure that they can remember and process it as they talk it through. Ms. Delcid also talks about using visual cues, pictures, visualization. And I smiled when she said that because when I know that at public restrooms, they do not just have men, women, boys, girls. They also have visual cues there's actually a picture of a girl or a picture of a female then right there. So they use pictures along with words. So Mr. Fid is saying that if you use these visual cues, it helps to build working memory. And the next thing Ms. Delphid talked about was multisensory. Some people say multisensory. Some people say multisensory. However, it has to do with using all the senses, the sense of touch, the sense of hearing, the sense of seeing, the sense of smelling, all of that. All those senses must be used when you are helping children with working memory issues. Ms. Delphine, give yeah. me an example of how a parent with actually shopping in a store could help a child to use all those senses to build working memory. Yes, the supermarket or the grocery store is a great place for a child to learn multisensory. Like, for example, I remember seeing a mom taking their daughter to the superstore and showing a melon to her. And just taking the melon and showing and letting the child touch the melon, saying, this is a melon, you can touch it. And even the melon gives the smell, so she said, like, you can smell it too. So mm -hmm. that gives a way for the child to see what a melon is, how does a melon feel, and mm -hmm. how a melon smells. So that mom is being really proactive in teaching the child's vocabulary and also being able to have all these connections so the child will remember and have a better opportunity to remember what a melon is just in this instance. Yes. I, I like that very much because I'm going back to the days when I had to help children to understand what a lavender, when you say the lavender color, I would <laughs> have them smell lavender. And, you know, it's a matter of bringing all the senses in to help them build that memory. So the watermelon, the child knows what it feels like. So that's another way to bring it into the memory. The child knows that was a sense of touch. The child knows what it looks like. So using all the sensories to help your children to understand. Talk to me about scaffolding. Because I know a lot of times Parents might not understand what teachers mean when they say, we need you to scaffold the information for your child. Scaffolding is 
giving a student support or the child support at each level. So that way they move up little by little with that support. And as they are learning it Mm -hmm. and they're becoming independent, you start taking away those supports and letting them be more independent. So at each step they go, like they go step one, you give them the support. They're able to do it by themselves. You take off the support and then they're ready to move on the next level. So in my definition of scaffolding, I will explain it that way. Yes. And it reminds me of a house being built, like even a two or three story that the developers, they will put up scaffolds Mm -hmm. that's needed to support the workers as they work at a level. And then after that, they do not need that scaffold anymore. Mm-hmm. And then they might build a scaffold going up. The scaffold is a support. Now, I'm looking back at the parent as tutors resources. A lot of parents are using them. And we have the Reading Foundation, as you know, because you look at them also and use them also, where we have the phonetic awareness, where children begin learning to use and recognize letters and letter sounds and forming those into words, moving from letters to words, and then words to sentences, and they're scaffolded along the way, right from words to sentences, sentences to paragraphs. And then they learn to break it apart, support along the way. How is it, or rather, let me ask it this way, what can you add to this for parents as parents are using these resources? What can you tell parents about how to use these resources? These resources are very helpful because it gives many strategies that they can use. And it's starting from where they are and what they need. So if they need to remember what a vowel, what the uppercase, what a lowercase letter is, what are the consonants? Just going back to the basic, because Mm -hmm. if you teach those areas where they're in need, you'll Mm -hmm. be able to go along and follow what is next in order for them to remember. Because if you don't give that support of where this child is, Mm -hmm. then you'll probably miss a step and then there'll be a misconnection. And I do see that this, this different uh, products and supporting materials that that parents' tutors have, it's very uh, beneficial for them because it's teaching them from the basic, teaching them mm-hmm. phonics, phonics awareness. And sometimes in reading, that's the part or the areas where they have missed that strategies, missed that knowledge, that building block. So like just going back to the foundations is very important. And moving step by step, not every child is the same. And just knowing that, just take it step at a time in knowing and meeting the child where he or she is. Yes. I really, really like that because I know that that working memory has a lot to do with their ability to remember what it is that they should do when they come to a word that they do not know. Yes. And and I know that we've done a wonderful job of helping to break that down. But visual cues in our resources, which many resources do not have, we actually have 
pictures of how they should form their mouths as they make the different phonetic sounds. So that's the visual cue that we provide for the parents who actually use our resources. We provide those visual cues to help these children to remember how to form their mouth when they're saying long vowel sound versus a short vowel sound and so on. So parents who you actually use our resources, I want you to know that this is one way we're helping you to scaffold for your children. So let us move on now to the inhibitory control, lack of inhibitory control. Remember, executive functioning skills, they have to do with three things. They have to do with a lack of working memory, which we just finished discussing, and Mrs. Delcida has given you some wonderful tips. And if you're using the parent as, as students' resources, we have all the scaffolding in there for you. And now we're moving into lack of inhibitory control. And after that, we'll move to the third one, which has to do with cognitive or mental flexibility. So here it is, parents. The school has called you about something your child has done, and it is as deemed as impulsivity. Talk to us about that lack of inhibitory control. Go ahead, Ms. Delphine. When we talk of lack of inhibitory control, it's about self-control, being able to filter their thoughts, their impulses, so they can resist temptation, distractions, and habits, and to pause and think before they act. When you receive a call about a student or your child not being able to self-control, you're going to be hearing about the teacher telling you how he cannot stay or she cannot stay in their seat about like blurring out answers, not being able to wait for their turn and things like that. And in a way, it's like them not being able to understand those cues of being able to wait for their turn, the opportunity of them understanding of what is being asked or what everyone else is doing and just following along. It also has to do with controlling their emotions, their behaviors. And when they have a lack of this, is that they don't have that ability to do so. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of parents, parents, we know you love your children. You love your children. And it's every parent's desire to give their children what they need. However, it's so important to teach your children to wait his or her turn. Wait your turn. Or things are not going to happen immediately. Yes, you're likely to get it. But in a moment, wait your turn. Or time your children. Have your children think about things before actually moving towards it. Go yeah. ahead and give our parents some strategies to help with children exhibiting self-control, you know, stemming that impulsivity. Share with us, Ms. Delphine. Yes, and I would like to follow along with what you said, like timing their children. I mm -hmm. think that that would be one way to do it. And also like giving the, teaching the children and helping them think, what is another way they can react, how they can respond? What should they do on a circumstance where their first impulse is to just react or yell or 
throw a tantrum. I'm not sure, like, depending on the situation, like, how can they respond to the situation differently? Letting them think and why the way they did it is not the best way and letting Mm -hmm. them think about how they can do it differently next time. Because it's trial and error, like, sometimes because they lack that control, it's just like reteaching and letting them think about why it's wrong the way they're doing things and why is it causing them to get in trouble at school or sometimes even at home. Another way I would say is like giving the child consistency in routines, like building a routine like that they know what is asked of them day by day and they have to follow it. Also modeling it. If you want the child to do something, just modeling. So this is what it should look like. This is what should it be doing. Or like do a role play. Another recommendation is like doing games like Simon says. Sometimes it can be really hard to follow the steps and understanding and listening when they should do something and when they shouldn't. So that is going to help them. So teaching the students can always also be fun. It's not just like about like having them in school and or like having them sit in one place, but also making it fun for the child so they can learn it. Mm-hmm. I like those strategies. I like when you said Simon Says, it brings me back to my childhood days. A lot of times parents do not realize how these games really teach their children self-control. Because Simon Says, as you said, that, that role-playing, Simon Says causes them to really make a choice as to what they respond to. So, and I think everybody knows Simon Says. And role-playing, I heard you speak about Ms. Del Cid, that parents need to role-play for their children as to how to control themselves, what they can do differently, and model the behavior for them, and help your children to make better choices. So I do like these strategies, and I'm hoping that when parents meet with teachers, And teachers are saying that here is what we're undergoing or here's what's happening with your child. That, of course, it stings because you don't want people saying anything like that about your child. But if that's what your child is exhibiting, you know, you're collaborating with the teacher and say, okay, here are the strategies I'm going to try at home. I'm asking you to also try them in the classroom. And then we can meet and talk about how they're working together. That's how you build that partnership. I'm trying it at home. Teacher, you're trying it in the classroom. We will remind our baby that we're working together and we'll meet again and we can always talk on the phone about how well he or she's doing, provide feedback. So I'm liking what I'm hearing. What about cognitive or mental flexibility. What does that even mean? Ooh, <laughs> that has to do with being able to uh, switch gears from and adjusting to change from demands, priorities, or perspectives. Is able to apply different rules in different places and being able to like hold your mouth shut when sometimes you just want to blur out things. It, mm. it has to do with that mental control and being able to understand what's going on and being able to respond accordingly. Okay. 
Yeah. Sounds to me like that ties right back into the inhibitory control impulsivity. Yes. Yes, it is connected, but in this way, it's like you're, you're reacting before thinking, and in here, it's similar. You mm-hmm. are not being able to understand what's going on around you, so mm-hmm. you don't know how to react properly. For example, if you are asked to do something, in, like in reading, you're, you're given to read one part of the story, and then you have to connect it to the second part of the story. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's really hard to connect that because the change that was shifted. Or when a rule has an exception, like not being able when to apply that exception because they're just understanding one part, but when you have to do switch it around and do something different, it becomes more complicated for them to follow through. Okay. And you know... The, the, the parents, we, all of these strategies that we're giving to parents, we are going to exhibit some of them for parents visually, because I know this is auditory, you're hearing what you ought to do, but we will be actually videotaping some of these strategies, use of the strategies for parents. That will be coming out soon, you know, and it will be accessible through YouTube. But... Parents, remember, executive functioning skills has to do with three things. Working memory, inhibitory control, and cognitive or mental flexibility. You heard today strategies that you can use. You also heard how lack of executive functioning skills can impact your child negatively when it comes to reading, not being able to make connections in the stories read, not being able to use scaffolding, not being able to hold what you need to hold in the memory and connect it to new learning. You've heard today about multisensory strategies, using all the senses, touching, feeling, smelling, and all of that to help you remember. You've heard about scaffolding, providing that support as you go along, which is the same thing we do in all our products. We have the reading foundation, moving up towards the blend, and the whole comprehension. That's all scaffolding support. You've heard today about the importance of having your child to repeat the instructions given. Ms. Delphine, talk to us about vocabulary building and how as parents build their children's vocabulary, how that will help them with the working memory issues. Vocabulary. I think that we can teach vocabulary to the children and to students in our everyday environment, everyday life, because everywhere you go, everything has a name, everything has use. So mm-hmm. I think that as parents, we can use what we have in the reach of our hand at home, just like teaching them and being able to share what each thing has 
a name. For example, when we are in the kitchen, we can see a refrigerator, we can see a counter, microwave, a stove, a sink, a dishwasher. Just mm -hmm. like calling things by their name and being able to help the student understand their functions. So yes. when a child has prior knowledge of things that he's involved in, it will help them as they learn in school because they'll be able to draw connections from what they know. Yes. And that will be able to help the child connect to new information. Yes. So they learn that a refrigerator is to keep food. And then in this classroom, you're talking about fruits and vegetables. And mm -hmm. by being able to reconnect that fruits and vegetables can be put away or be saved in the refrigerator, mm -hmm. they are drawing that connection from something they learn at home. Or like when they have breakfast, understanding that as they're like in kindergarten, pre-K, that they get a, a, a spoon to mm -hmm. eat their cereal or that they have to take the top off the milk in order to pour it because mm -hmm. they are learning this. Or when they need to make a request to the teacher, they are able to say it by name. Yes. And that will be really beneficial. So building vocabulary, it's mm -hmm. very important because it will connect with them with their letters. It will connect with their sounds. It connect mm -hmm. connect because they have been exposed to different words, different sounds, different names, and mm -hmm. it will help them in the long run. Yes. Thank you so much for that, Ms. Delphine. So parents, we provided you with many strategies today. You can always replay this podcast if you missed anything along the way. And don't forget that you need to model for your children the correct way to deal with situations, role play with them sometimes. And don't forget that game Simon says, because that helps them to control impulsivity and also to make better choices. So, Ms. Delphid, I want to thank you for your time today. We look forward to talking with you about dyslexia because a lot of parents are asking me questions about dyslexia. They are using our products. Most of them are doing very well with it, but I want to build this entire comprehensive understanding of what dyslexia is. So in our next episode, we're going to talk about dyslexia. And in future episodes, we're going to talk about ADHD. What does it mean when they say your child is ADHD? What does it mean when a school says your child has a 504 plan? What does it mean when they say your child has an IEP? What does it mean? We are committed to helping you with the strategies you need to help your child be successful academically. So will you join us again to talk about these, Ms. Delphine? Yes, and thank you for inviting me for today's conference call. And I hope to be able to meet with you and be able to talk more about all these topics that are coming. All right. Thank you so much. Everyone, Ms. Delphine, how can the people reach you if they want to reach you? They can reach me at MsDelphiteSped at gmail.com. That's, That's M-R-S. 
D-E-L-C-I-D-S-P-E-D at gmail.com. All right, that's Mistress Del Cid, M-R-S as in Sam, D-E-L-C-I-D-S-P-E-D, sped, Mistress Del Cid, sped at gmail.com. Thank you so much for, Thank you. for all your wonderful strategies, Miss Del Cid. Thank you, and I appreciate your invitation. Thank you for listening to the Parents as Tutors Parent Cafe podcast with your host, Dr. Andrea Thompson. Parents as Tutors is a children's literacy program taught by parents who are devoted to giving their children the knowledge they need to succeed. Its mission? To build parents' capacity to partner with schools in increasing student achievement. If you have a question for Dr. Thompson that you would like answered on the show, please write to parentsastutorsllc at gmail.com. For more information on Parents as Tutors and to find out how our schooling can benefit your child, please visit www.parentsastutors.com. We hope you'll join us next time. Take care, everyone.